Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode four of Wholehearted Loving. I'm Stephanie. Hello, I'm Georgiana. It's nice to be back. Hooray. So today we're going to talk about hiding. Hiding. It's a big topic. But of course, before we do that, we are going to sink in together with a body-based practice to bring presence to ourselves and to the moment before we launch in. G, have you got anything you want to share here? Sure. I'll share one with us. Let's start <clears throat> again with finding what your anchor point is going to be for the moment. So maybe it's your feet and what your feet are touching. Maybe it's your butt and what your butt are, what, what your butt are sitting on, what your butt is sitting on. Or maybe it's what your hands are touching. And so just take a moment to feel that contact point and notice your breath. And we're going to practice noticing our body and noticing our space at the same time. So I want us to practice looking at something in your space right now that brings you joy, that connects you with a sense of fun or joy or playfulness or gratitude, something that's uplifting. And while you look at that thing, I want you to feel that anchor point. So I'm going to like, just move my butt around and look at this pillow of, with panda faces on it. And then we're going to turn and find something else in your space that connects you with a sense of gratitude or joy or fun or play. And so I'm looking right now at a plant and the green in it makes me smile. And I'm looking at that thing and I'm feeling my butt on the chair. And I'm having a little notice of my breath. And then find one more thing. And if you can look behind you, we tend to forget to look behind us. Look behind you and look at another thing that connects you to joy or gratitude. And again, just feel your anchor point while you look and notice your breath. And then just come back. And have a little notice. I'm curious, Steph, what do you notice in your body? What feels different or the same in your body or in your mood after spending a bit of intentional time feeling your body and really looking in your space for things that light you up? Well, I'm in a pretty good mood today already. And this accentuated that warm, bubbly joy feeling in the middle of my chest, like in my heart center, that excited sort of love feeling. Mm -hmm. I'm in a room that has a number of posters and paintings from my grandma. And there's often, she had a lot of things with children doing delightful things like frolicking in fountains or lighting fire lanterns in a meadow. It's very sweet. Fun. That's cute yeah. to hear. Yeah. 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 I like how we can, we didn't change any of our circumstances but we created a moment where we connected to a sense of joy or gratitude, just looking at the things that are already there. Yeah. Shifting that focus. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Depending how heady of a person you are, how heady of a mood you're in, it's so easy to get trapped inside. You can mm -hmm. really direct how we focus. 
makes a really yeah. big difference for me. That's one of the biggest things that I've realized is if I just practice shifting my focus to something other than the thoughts that are going on in my mind, yeah. I feel better. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's not, I want to distinguish between dissociating and shifting focus. Yes. Because I think people can really, you can use any tool, you can co-opt any tool for your own internally sinister purposes, but you have to have a real willingness to shift your state. And we can recognize that we're having difficult thoughts or feelings or circumstances and be consciously taking a moment to focus on something that feels good. Yeah. Or is it something that just feels different yeah. to give it a break, give yeah. ourselves some reprieve. And I did a lot of work with families years ago. And one of the tools, parenting strategies they would talk about is, oh, use distraction. When your kids are a certain age, it's easy to distract them. And I wasn't fully sure how I felt about it. So I sat with it. And this is what I noticed. Distraction, if you want to call it distraction or shifting focus, can be a very great tool or a harmful tool, depending on what you use it for. If we use it to give ourselves a break from something that feels a bit too much right now and to regulate ourselves so that we can come back to that thing that was hard and let ourselves feel it or process it or share about it with someone, then that's in service of our growth and healing and mental health and emotional wellness. But if we use a tool that distracts us or that brings our attention away from what's hard in the moment for the purpose of never coming back to what's hard, then we end up carrying that pain and that hurt and all that stuff that we're, that really needs some loving care and it doesn't get the attention that it needs. Yeah. So yes, there's a time for it. There's nothing wrong with it. When I talk to people and they say, I notice I dissociate, dissoci that's okay. That's fine. Mm. We need to take a break. And yeah. are you willing to practice also bringing attention back just in little moments? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah and my family system, <clears throat> we're not big on having feelings and sharing feelings. And I'm a really big feelings person. So that was a talk about hiding. We'll come back to that, I think. But as an adult now realizing all this stuff and being centered in myself and loving who I am and recognizing that the way I am is a series of tools. I've got all these notification systems that are really necessary for my happy existence. But if I'm having big emotions now, I can talk about them. It's not an overwhelming. You can see that as a younger person, it was all consuming. When it, and yeah. I don't know as a parent how you would deal with that. But now if I'm having a big feeling and like, I want to express it and talk about it in a, in a reasonable way, <laughs> the family response might be like, oh, that's fine. Let's go play some ping pong. Mm -hmm. It's not a, we'll come back to this. It's not a, it's not a time where I need a distraction. But right, I also yeah. remember one time I was, this was years ago. I was really in the beginning throes of discovering myself, dark night of the soul, really facing a lot of things I'd been hiding from and I needed support, which was also new for me. So it's exciting and scary to be able to reach out for support and connect with somebody about, especially yeah. these things like feelings that you've been hiding from. So I remember I called our friend Heather, who was leading our women's groups at that time. And 
she came over. She lived a block away. She came over and in my mind, we were going to be talking about me <laughs> and just processing and like regurgitating and rehashing and ruminating together. And to my surprise, she launched into this for like for 45 minutes. She talked about the Rachel Dolezal documentary and I was interested in the subject. So I joined her there. And by the time we had been talking for a while and I'd forgotten about myself, she finished whatever she was talking about. And then she said, how are you feeling now? And I was like, oh, I feel, I feel better. And she said, yeah, you just need a break sometimes. Now you can go back to whatever you needed to do. So permission giving and yeah. so regulating and soothing. Yeah. It's really helpful taking a break and mm -hmm. that people know that nothing's wrong with you if you need to take a break. It's really important to learn how to take a break. Yeah. It's also really important to learn how to be open to the support we might need to be able to come back and turn back towards that thing that was hard. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> if like you asked a, a few moments ago, I don't know what it's like if you're a parent, sometimes as a parent, there isn't time in that moment. There's something mm -hmm. more urgent that your kids need <clears throat> that you can't go to all your emotional stuff. Yeah. And so you do have to find a place for that to park yeah. it for a while to come back to it later. And something that really helped me, because I don't know if people know this, but I have been very intentionally talking to myself over the last decade to rewire that inner voice. Right. And so as a mom, when I'm going through something hard, and my kids are really needing something. It's either an emergency or maybe it's not an emergency, but it's more urgent than this emotional thing that I'm experiencing. I like to practice feeling my feet on the ground and placing a hand on my body or some sort of body connection. And then just telling myself, this feels really hard right now. I know that. I know that I'm going to probably need to cry later. And I'm going to make some time for that after they're in bed, or I'm going to make some time for that on Saturday. And thank you body for letting me know that something is up right now. And that I find is so powerful by just acknowledging for myself, something feels off right now. I don't want to just ignore it. I don't want to pretend like it's rainbows and butterflies and pretend that's not there so that I can take care of my kids. I want to just take a moment to acknowledge something doesn't feel okay right now. I am needing something. I'm not able to give myself that thing that I really need right now, but I still want to acknowledge that I notice it, the need is valid, and I'm going to tend to it later, right? It reminds me of when children have this way of pulling on their parents' pant leg <laughs> when they want something. Like mommy, daddy, and they're excited. They want to share something. And often it happens at a time where we're busy with something. And Sometimes the instinct is to push away, whether it's actually physically, but turning away from it. Like, just a second, I'm busy, go play. And what always happens is a child will cling harder and pull harder and ask for more. And what I found when my kids were young is if I'm willing to just turn for a moment to them and really get down on their level and really see them and let them know I see them, I see you're excited. And I can't wait to see that. I'm going to finish this. And right after that, I want to come see what you want to show me. And then they're like, oh, oh, 
okay. Not all the time, but you can tell that they feel in that moment more seen mm -hmm. than when we try to push them away. <clears throat> and they, that energy of grasping for us shifts. Completely. And it can do that for ourselves too. Yeah. Think and of when you're like hustling through something uncomfortable and you're going like, oh, this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. Just get through, get through versus stopping and going, oh, this is hard and I'm doing it. It's just totally. a wash of relief. Yes. And that took me a long time to learn because my parents being very well-meaning when I would be having a hard time with something would be to say, it's fine. It's not that hard. And I'm like, but it is hard. Yeah, it <laughs> right? is hard. And I remember it was actually for your birthday a couple years ago. We went, do you remember when we went to do that, like, Ariel's tree climbing course? Yes. Yes, where we climb from tree to tree and we have a harness. Yeah. And I love doing stuff like that. And I'm also, like, terrified of heights. But what was really neat was at that point I had been practicing practicing for a few years, how to really be anchored in my body, how to give myself space and slow down and be with my breath and look around at things and have that help me center. I remember at that point, I might've been on the intermediate course and not everyone did the intermediate course. Maybe it was Julie and I who did the intermediate course. You were the course only two the that guys. finished. Yeah. Did they finish? Oh, yeah, the guys finished. finished. Yeah, the guys yeah. finished. Yeah. They were fast. And I remember it was maybe one of the last obstacles. And I was terrified, like not terrified for my life and I shouldn't do this, but I was really scared. It was high up. It was super wobbly. And I remember just holding those things in my hands, the ropes in my hands and feeling my feet on whatever the thing was that I was standing. I was shaking and I'm like, I can feel both hands. I feel my feet. I'm going to notice my breath and I'm going to look at something and find something to look at. And so I looked at, I don't know, some tree in the distance and I said, this feels scary right now. And I can also feel my hand. <laughs> and I also know I want to keep going. So I'll just take a moment here. And then when I felt ready, then I went and it was such a different way of talking to myself through something that was hard than I would have done in the past. Yeah. Amazing. Like, wow. It's quite simple. Like the things I said were, it wasn't rocket science. It was just calling out what was happening. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. And since you bring that up, I did not complete the course, which was a pattern break for me that I consciously did. So the course goes from like, relatively easy to challenging to really very challenging for me a nightmare and i have you're more muscular than i am for example like you can do maybe chin-ups i don't know what the hell that's wild <laughs> i certainly cannot and but for me i push too hard like i just have to do the thing have to finish the thing so Quitting you tell yourself you have to finish the thing or that was the old right. pattern okay. yeah totally and I would have pushed myself to a point of I need to cry, I need to be rescued. I felt like I would need to be rescued. And, but I would push through that anyway. And that was the day I felt like I don't have to do that. I can actually just feel comfortable and happy. It would feel good to be on the ground in the forest right now and watch all you 
wizards flying through the air above me. Yeah. I'm so mm. glad you did that because what I noticed about that day was you looked super happy to be on the ground looking up at us. And Julie and I were super happy to be up in the air, scared. <laughs> everyone was happy because everyone was following what felt true for them. Yeah. If I had been up there with you guys, it would have been dour energy, like not feeling good for sure. Really mm -hmm. tense and forced. Yeah. And my old pattern would have been, I can't do this. It's too scary. Amazing. I should just quit before. So I don't look like an idiot if I have to quit in the middle. And, and I even noticed when I was like standing there scared, feeling scared, I did tell myself, if you want to stop, it's okay. You can stop. And I checked in. I was like, okay, I can stop. And I also don't want to. And I think that if I just take a moment to really feel my body and just help myself settle, I can do this next one. And that's the other thing. I said, I'm just going to do the next one. Step over to the next plank. And then I'll check in again to see if it still feels good to keep going. I would have never done that before. I would have, like I said, either never even tried or I would have been like, I started now. I don't want to look like an idiot now. I better just white knuckle my way through it, even though it's God awful and yeah. I'm terrified. One step and, at a time. Yeah. Can you imagine if in AA they said you have to project into the future? It's no one step at a time. It's all the steps right now. People would not succeed. It's too much. I was, and I, I, that's how I used to live my life. Hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Totally. That was the option. How many people listening right now are feeling that same way? Yeah. It was all or nothing. Yeah. Completely all or nothing. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. feel great. No. So no. embracing the baby steps. I love it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So hiding. It's a big topic. Questions. Yeah. It's certainly a big topic. <laughs> As we were going over what we were going to talk about today to do some deep breathing, even reading through the list of things we wanted to talk about. Yeah. I like to ask myself questions. I like to ask Stephanie questions. I like to ask people questions. So I like to jot down questions about the topic that I think, oh, it might be nice to know this about Stephanie, or it might be nice to know, explore this piece for myself. And I got through reading the first two questions. And we were like, whoo. <laughs> so this should be an interesting conversation. Yeah. Why don't, do you want to read those two questions right now? Okay. So the first question is, in what ways have you hidden yourself from yourself? So just feel your butt on the chair and notice your breath. The second question, which is where we started feeling a little bit hot <laughs> and emotional is in what ways have you hidden yourself from your family? I'm in my family home right now. So this is extra potent. Yes. And from there, the, we go a bit deeper and in what ways have you hidden yourself from your partner or partners in the past? 
in what ways have you hidden yourself from your friends? And in what ways have you hidden yourself from the world? Yeah. We could talk about this for 15 years. The amount of layers of discovery, like we protect ourselves with so many masks and there are so many shoulds and there are so many ways we naturally find ourselves to be that don't necessarily jibe with our family system or the people who are around us in school. So we just alter ourselves as we imagine we need to fit in to be accepted. We do this in so many conscious ways and so many unconscious ways. There are just layers upon layers. Is there anything that sticks out for you immediately? Things you hid from yourself? This one's big and it (laughs) just came up as I was listening to you talk. And then I had a quick moment of, I can't say that's big. (laughs) Or I don't want to start with that. That one's huge. I had hidden from myself for the longest time my Chinese identity. I was like, I'm white. I'm Canadian. I'm not Chinese. I remember declaring to my mother, I am, I am Canadian and I am speaking English. And uh, this part of my hiding has been something that I've been really intentional about in probably the last three years. I think it was three years ago after some really intentional work that I could finally say I'm Chinese and feel proud of it. Yeah, you are. That's amazing and insane all at Mm. the same time. And this one comment that my youngest son made a few years ago, it was funny, but at the same time, I was like, man, this is a real wake up call. We were talking about something. My kids are half Chinese, half Dutch, fully Canadian, born here in Canada. And he had said, we were talking about identity, race. I can't remember what it was exactly, but I mentioned something to my kids and I said, you're Asian. And he said, what? I'm Asian. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, I failed as a mother. (laughs) My half Asian kid doesn't even know he's Asian. And we had a bit of a laugh about it, but on a more serious note, what that showed me was I haven't been proud of who I am for so long that I didn't even identify with being Asian. So there was no part of me that wanted to help my children identify as that either and help them discover their identity and embrace all the parts of their identity. So that was a big one. Mm -hmm. So I've been working on being more intentional about seeing that for myself, seeing my Chineseness, if you want to call it that, then showing that out to the world and Mm. helping my kids do the same. I love that for you. Yeah. 
for those of you listening. <clears throat> so we live in the lower mainland in British Columbia and Canada. And when the Communist Party took over Hong Kong in 1997, lots and lots of Chinese people emigrated here. So we have this culture where there are a lot of first generation Chinese Canadians who are feeling really separate from their heritage. And I think a lot of Chinese parents come over and they just want their kids to do well and have a great life. And they just push them out into the world. So I think you're going to be speaking to a lot of people who are having the same experience of mm. not identifying with their heritage or that not even being present. Yeah. I know there's, we all distinguish ourselves from our parents in some way. And I imagine that's ramped up. We're more outward or something when it comes to cultural differences that are really quite significant, like really different cultural practices. Yeah, it's been a journey and I'm excited to talk more about what that experience is, was like as a child, has been like in the last couple of years when I've been more intentional about looking at it more closely, embracing it, feeling the pain and grief of that experience and being more intentional about how to help create a different kind of experience for my kids. Mm, and beautiful. I... I am so grateful that I can talk to you about this and that I can talk to, I have really great non-Asian friends, Caucasian friends who really want to hear my experience. And I don't know why, but that sort of shocked me. Oh, really? <laughs> it really did because I had minimized my experience so much. I'm like, why would someone want to know about my Chinese Canadian experience? Why would that matter to anyone? And then especially mm -hmm. why would that matter to any of my Caucasian friends? I can minimize your experience if it would make you more comfortable. I'm trying to shift my patterns. Okay. <laughs> but I, rem I remember we were at one of our favorite places and I'm not quite ready yet to tell the whole world what that place is yet. <laughs> and we like to read there. Lots of people like to read there. And there was this woman one night in the lounge reading and she was Caucasian reading the book by Simu Liu, an Asian man. And I saw her holding the book cover and I just felt really emotional. And I was like, wow. And I had just started listening to his book on audiobook, and I loved it. And she said, I love this book. It's so great. And I was like, yeah, I'm really loving it too. And we just had a really nice exchange. And then I think I came and I told you about it. I don't know if I told you about it on that trip or in some other conversation, I told you how meaningful that was to me and how emotional it was to me to see a Caucasian woman interested in reading this Chinese man, Taiwanese man's memoir. And you said something to me like, yes, us white people want to know you too. <laughs> or something like that. And... I was like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a really important point, right? How we project our experiences out into the world. I've denied yeah. myself in so many ways. Therefore, you must want to deny me too. Yes. And the reality is there are people out there like that who want to deny that part in me or have whatever beliefs they have about that. And what I've been learning is there are also many people 
who don't want to deny me of my identity or make it wrong. So those moments are really healing. That's such a big one. Like when we run these patterns of having ideas about things or people to just acknowledge that, yes, the shitty part is true. And Mm -hmm. also there are all these other good parts. I was talking with a friend yesterday about this, her patterns around she's dating a new guy and patterns coming up around men being cheaters and pigs as has been her past idea. She's trying to break through these patterns to acknowledge that there are going to be some people who are not very nice Mm -hmm. and who don't have well wishes. And there are so many people who are good and loving and curious and really want to connect and how uncomfortable and weird that's going to feel in your body until that pattern has shifted. Yeah. I'm really glad you can see that. You come from an interesting culture and are an interesting person who people will be interested in. Thank you. That's really nice to hear. I realize hearing you say that, I needed to hear that more growing up. Yeah. I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Crying's good. My mom often says things like, my father would never have gotten down on the ground to play with me. That's crazy. People do that now. You know, we're in a new era of time where we have the privilege of being more curious and of feeling our feelings and recognizing things in different ways. Mm -hmm. It's a really exciting time to be alive. It's a really exciting time I find to be doing my healing work, my growth work. Mm. It's a really exciting time to be raising children. And the opposite is also true. Just like you said, it's also a really hard time. There's many hard things going on that make living, doing your own personal work and raising children really hard. And also what excites me about those things now is we have access to so much more information that if I look at my parents, they never had access to understanding why certain things are important. I am in a privileged position where I have free time. Like my parents just had to work so many jobs for like really low pay just to pay our bill Mm -hmm. have the luxury of time to sit and reflect on things. They're just trying to keep us all alive. Yeah, for sure. So I feel very grateful for that privilege. And it's really important for me to remind myself that I have that privilege that my parents didn't have. Yeah. And to look at things in different ways. Mm -hmm. It's a scarcity that isn't present in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And while there's still scarcity for people, there's still people who don't have the same luxury across the board. For sure. Where they're living more on a civil basis and don't have access because they're just trying to keep their families afloat. I think that's really important to consider too, is we can be so quick to judge why someone's not parenting in a way that you think people should, or why someone's not living in a way that you think people should, or why someone's not doing their personal work or doing their personal work the way you think they should. So many factors and variables. Yeah. So many shoulds. Yeah. One of the ways that I am thinking about abundance right now is also like abundance of thinking and abundance of love and like availability of love. So I'm thinking about the not codependent 
version of You Are My Sunshine that mm. Alexa Sunshine Rose created. Yeah, that's such a um, beautiful song. Yeah, and there's so much scarcity and fear of love being taken away or of death even built into lullabies, like the things we program our children with effectively, the things we expose ourselves to, the even the beginning lines. You know, instead of you are my sunshine, my only sunshine, mm -hmm. you are my sunshine, my darling sunshine. Mm -hmm. Such a simple, that's a really big shift. Everybody it should really go is. find that song and listen to it because it makes yes. such yes. a big difference. Alexa, We can link this episode to that song. I would love Stephanie. This is my request is because you have a beautiful singing voice. I would love for you to play that song on your guitar and sing it for us on one of the episodes. Oh, you're sweet. Okay, we can do an extra. <laughs> it's such a yeah, beautiful song. It made me cry. Abundance of love from my parents exists. How powerful is that? And it's free flowing. Yeah. Can I tell a story about this? this idea of abundance of love from parents it's and that it's free flowing. Okay. This was my younger guy again, probably maybe it was two years ago. Maybe he was eight or so. Actually, I don't know if I've told this on previous episodes. We'll see anyways, but it's one of my favorite stories. He was asking, I think if he could have some device time. And so I said, yeah, sure, bud. Have you done all the things you need to do? And he's, yeah, mom, I have. And I said, what about giving me a hug? And he, and I was like half joking. I'm not like demanding a hug from him. He's, that's a want and not a need. <laughs> and then he said, and that's your want, not <laughs> mine. <laughs> so no thanks. <laughs> And it was so cheeky and funny and we just had a good laugh about it. And also it was such a moment of pride as a mom and a moment of relief as a mom, because what that exchange showed me was my little guy has some awareness about needs and wants and how they might differ. And also the difference between someone else's needs and wants and your own. And then also he felt safe enough to say no to me and know that I wouldn't lose my mind on him or shame him or make him feel bad. And he also felt confident enough that if I say no to a hug now, there will still be abundance of hugs later from my mom. I was like, what a fun moment that was. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. This has been coming up a lot for me in the past little week. I think seeing Shay with her baby has really highlighted for me how often parents are run by either their anxieties, their fears, what other people think. I'm thinking about go give your uncle a hug or a kiss or whatever, and the kid doesn't want to feeling and, and what that might bring up losing face or appearing a certain way, or what will the family think? Like how much mm -hmm. we're programmed by that and how much, that causes us as kids to, to disconnect from what feels true for us and what our instincts tell us. I think that's so important. It's so big. And that I was very adamant about teaching my kids how to say no, thank you. And no, and not right now when it came to hugs and mm -hmm. people in their space 
Because my mom, she's like Chinese grandmother. She wants to come and hug her grandchildren and get all in their face and give them kisses. She loves them. From a very young age, I could see my children's faces. And the faces, their body language told me, I do not want a hug right now. But they were too young to really string those words together. Yeah. And so I made it a point to say, oh, are you not ready for a hug yet? That's okay. You can just say to Papa, no thanks, not yet, not right now. And I didn't expect them to be able to say it because they weren't quite fully verbal yet. But I wanted my mom to hear that in a way that wasn't missing her. It was just being a voice for my child because I could see his body language was saying, I don't want this right now. And I just knew that wasn't something that my mom was paying attention to. Yeah. And culturally, generationally, even if she was paying attention, I'm not sure that she would put that as the priority and follow that lead. But I always felt that was really important to be that voice for my kids to be able to say, no, thanks. Not right now. I'm not ready yet. I don't yeah. want to hug. Maybe later. Man, this is bringing up a lot for me because I'm remembering being afraid of old people when I was little. They were big and like crotchety and scary and they smelled weird and I didn't really know who they were. This is going to make me cry. What if you're the scary old person and you never get to cuddle with your grandkids? What about that? Help yeah. me through that therapy, Georgiana. That. I think if you are the old person who your grandchild feels afraid of, then your feelings matter too. You want connection. You want to show your love. And who wants to scare their grandchildren or scare little children? That's not your intention. And I'm going to speak about this maybe using my mom as the example because I can relate to that more. I didn't want to give my mom the feeling that she's bad or terrible or like this freaky lady. But I just wanted to let her know your grandson loves you too. And he does love hugs. Just not yet. Not right now. And when he's ready, he'll let you know. Because there were lots of hugs between my kids and my mom. Good. Just on at moments where my kids felt ready. Yeah. So I think it's reassuring the crotchety old person, if you want to call it that, <laughs> that they're not a bad person for wanting the hug and wanting to show affection and wanting connection. And yes, maybe you feel sad or disappointed in this moment, or maybe your feelings are hurt. Maybe you even feel angry because this is not the pattern you're used to and that your needs for connection matter too. And there will be time for those needs to get met. Yeah. See, this highlights also my programming. There's, you've decided the person is scary. That's the end of the story. Hug will never be arriving, mm -hmm. but the way you're doing it is not right now. For me, that hasn't mm -hmm. been an option. It's all or nothing. It's you either want it or you don't. There's no mm -hmm. gradient, no flexibility. Yeah. That's why I taught the boys to say very early to string these two words together. Maybe later. Maybe <laughs> later. So then over the years, I would hear them say that to me. Maybe later, mom. When I'm like asking them to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
no thanks mom maybe later and it had nothing to do with hugs it was like it's time to clean up your toys it's time to go to bed no thanks mom maybe later maybe yeah (laughs) maybe solid maybe (laughs) wow man it's easy for things to feel heavy for me Okay, so you hid from being Chinese. I hid from being Chinese. That was one of mine. There's so many. How about you? What's something you hid? I hid from feelings, and I always felt ugly and stupid, so I just hid in toughness. I know a lot of stuff. I retain a lot of data. I understand things easily. And that made me a know-it-all, so I'd want to hide that. You thought, how? what made you think you need to hide the know-it-all part? In elementary school, I was not popular. And know-it-allness would have been part of it. There was just a vibe of, ugh, shut up. (laughs) Shut up, Steph. Or making people feel inadequate. And Mm -hmm. probably I was trying at points to make people feel inadequate because that's how I felt. So dumbing down, I, I caught myself a couple of years ago And actually more recently than, and it's like a symptom of wanting to be open to other people where I'll just be like, oh, what do you think about this thing? And they'll tell me what they think. And then I'll tell them what I think. And I'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Something to think about. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, I'm actually licensed and educated in this area. It's not, ooh, maybe I think this it's here's 50 facts. They're actually really important to this decision we're making, but I wouldn't step in to fill that place because I didn't want to be overbearing or know-it-all or whatever. And embracing those parts of myself has been very helpful. Did you feel in those moments, did you feel in your body or did you know intellectually you were hiding in that moment? Oh, I know this, but I'm not going to say anything. No. So it wasn't so much like that. Actually, the, the instance that I'm thinking about is when Julie and I were talking about buying a house together and I am actually a real estate agent. So I know all about this. <laughs> and we were Stephanie out. is also uber talented in a gazillion things that are all non-related. Yeah. I'm and a, I feel like, jealous sometimes. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and I feel like inadequate in some way. Not in a, That's not the right word. I feel like, you know, all that you should commit to something and do it all the way kind of thing. That's just not my way. I like mm-hmm. to learn a thing, do it completely, get really good at it, move on to the next thing. And I used to make that mean a lot of bad things about myself, but now I'm just like, those are my interests. That's the way I want to feel. That's what I'm doing. But we were sitting, I think we were like eating sushi, talking about next steps of buying this house. And she was like, oh, I feel certain ways about whatever. I have questions about whatever. And I was like, oh, yes, your questions are important kind of thing. It was mostly like I was acknowledging her. And then I went, oh, I have (laughs) all the answers to those questions. And I need to be stepping up as the authority in this role. We're not just holding hands, skipping into this journey together. I'm the leader. And I think in a lot of ways in life, I am the leader. And Mm -hmm. being the leader makes you separate and different and easy to project onto. People have always come to me for advice, protection, Mm -hmm. mediation. And so I love that. But then I also, the feeling of being separate or like mom-like or something like that feels like kind of, I guess, a bit scary, a bit lonely, but also it feels true. 
Yeah. How do you feel like, have you embraced the leader in you at this stage in life? Where are you at with that? Yeah, I think I'm understanding more of what that means all the time. And yes, I've embraced it. And probably I'm still fighting through bits of residual stuff of ways I thought I needed to be or wanted to be or the grief of imagining maybes and shoulds and different ways of life that could have been played out. The grief of imaginings. I can find grief anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> She's a grief detector. Tell me how, I'm curious how the grief of imaginings, how does that tie to you embracing leadership? I guess wanting to be one of, one of the gang as opposed to the teacher of the gang or the leader of the gang having to make decisions right. or say hard things. You can't hide. Yeah. You, can't, you hide. can't hide as the teacher and the leader. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you can. And you're going to be mm -hmm. less potent and less true. And it's when I say what's really coming up for me without a filter that I'm having an impact and helping people get where they need to be. If so, something that happens to me often is that people in stores or if I'm in a different, in a foreign city, people will ask me for directions. And I'm like, I don't know. They're like, oh, you look like a local or at a store. They'll be like, oh, where's the whatever? And I'm like, well, I don't work here, but it's right there. I just happen to know. <laughs> you know it all. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fat know-it-all. That's right. That's right. So to speak up. Imagine if somebody in a store said, where's the whatever? There's a fire. Where's the fire escape? And I'm like, well, where do you feel like the fire escape is? Let's find it together. I'm like, it's there. We're going. No questions. This is something that I really love about you. It's been very inspiring and you teach me a lot through being that know-it-all, embracing that know-it-all energy and living in it and letting the world feel it and see it because you are a very powerful teacher and you say things that are so true. And sometimes as a co-leader with you, or just as a person, I would feel really scared to say, because I'm afraid of hurting someone's feelings or afraid of being judged, afraid of being misunderstood. And you just say them. And so hearing you just tell us that, you know, that, about that experience. I just had this moment where I'm like, I am so glad Stephanie embraced her know-it-all self <laughs> because Thanks. the world would be missing such a potent teacher if you would have said, I need to hide that part of myself. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I think it was so important also to pair that with A, I can be wrong mm -hmm. and B, I love you. Right. To just deliver a harsh truth is one thing. And I think that's really how I started out to be able to use my mm -hmm. voice. It was really heavy and jagged at first. And I'm sure I hurt people's feelings. And to be able to make that repair after, to be able mm -hmm. to pair my hard truth with softness and love, not to say that I need to soften my message, but just that what's the energy underneath that needs to genuinely be one of love and softness mm -hmm. and openness. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So basically you took something that you tried to hide or felt was not good about yourself growing up, like being in elementary school and I don't want to be a know-it-all to, I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to refine it with bringing these other pieces of me that are also there. Yeah.
Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was like 34, I was getting divorced. I was separating from my partner. I was moving back across the country from Toronto to Vancouver, where I'm from is Vancouver. And it just everything in my life was changing. Like I felt uncomfortable. And I checked my Facebook one morning. I think I was even packing up my computer to, to move. And I looked at Facebook and this girl from elementary school who I identified as like the popular one. There was a group of popular girls that I felt specifically shunned by. And I actually was like objectively shunned by. And she'd posted on my wall. I don't know how you put up with us in elementary school. You were always so cool and smart or something like that. And I just hope you know that. And my world exploded. I was like, what? You think that now, you know, who knows what you thought then? Mm -hmm. Looking back with adult eyes on child things is a gift and a burden. And other people chimed in from this same group. They were like, Steph for president. Yay. That was probably the beginning of a lot of really important shifts in how I viewed myself. So I also want to encourage people to say the thing. Yeah. I don't know where I'd be if she hadn't said that thing. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful moment. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thank you. I feel teary hearing that for you and for me. And I imagine a lot of people have had that experience where they have felt that they haven't belonged or were, like you said, objectively shunned. And it's so easy to continue to carry that belief about ourselves that we don't belong. Yeah. And so far from the truth yeah. and what a gift it was. Like you were finding your own way in life and you would have had your own journey of discovering what's true for you as an adult. But what a gift it was for the person to share that with you. Yeah. And it, I'm assuming it didn't take very much of our time. <laughs> yeah. It didn't take too much energy. And this is something that I believe so deeply in. I have tried always to be very committed to this is I don't want to leave things unsaid mm. to people. And I also pair that with the belief that it's never too late. And for me, it comes from a lot of times I work with parents and they're like, oh, have I really messed up my kids? Is it too late? And I always want to remind them it's never too late. It doesn't matter if your child is three or five or 72. If your apology or your acknowledgement is genuine and people can feel that it's coming from a genuine place, People want to receive that. It's going to make an impact. If you look at, I'm assuming it's adults listening to this podcast, listening to our conversation, how many of us would be open to a truly genuine offering of acknowledgement or repair from one of our parents yeah. if it came today? I'm assuming most of us would be like, yeah, that would feel really good. I might not need it now in the same way. And yes, it would still feel nice to hear. And so I'm so happy that this person took time out of their day to speak what she felt was true. It wasn't like she was lying. 
just speaking the truth, but so often we hold our truth and we think it and we think nice thoughts about people and we stop ourselves from sharing it. And I think that's one thing that I think I do well. And one thing I feel pride about is I feel like I'm good at appreciating people. Yeah, I can always improve and be better, but it's something I really enjoy doing, letting people know how I see them and how I see the beauty in them and what I appreciate about them and how they impact me. And I think the world would be a better place if we all practice that a little bit more. You're always very quick to say that you could be better. I know that's my old patterning. Dad said you could always do better. So I'm practicing with that. That's good. (laughs) Yeah. I just want you to know that I think you're really good at acknowledging and sharing and speaking the truth. I appreciate that about you a lot. I think you Mm. do a fine job. Thank you. I also want to share something that was really impactful for me. Okay. This is, it relates back to what we were talking about, the feeling separate feeling and embracing all the parts and letting that be okay. So when I was beginning to teach conscious relationship training, it was the really scary stepping into leadership moment, moment. It lasted for months. So one of the things I do is I'm in a temple for Western esoteric mysticism. This is a way of exploring yourself psychologically and spiritually, your inner world. And one of our practices was a visualization where it was so, it's just everything that our subconscious produces in our visuals is so important. And to actually go into that and feel all the things and embrace all the things is these are life-changing practices. So it's really important to actually do them. So I was given this visual where I was in a playground. I was on a swing. All the kids were playing over there. And I was feeling very separate, like I was in a separate world. I was the leader in the swing, separate from the class kind of thing. And our teacher, Phil, I can't remember the exact timing of things, but basically I stepped out of my private space in this visualization to join the group. And he just said, do that if it feels right. See what feels right. So I go to join the group. And he's like, how do you feel now? And I was like, oh, this is... I'm bored. (laughs) Immediately, I was like, this is not my place. This isn't right. The thing that I've been yearning for and feeling like I didn't want to be separate from actually is not for me. But I had to first embrace the fact that I felt separate and different and that I wanted to or wanted to want to be part of the group and then actually try that, feel it, recognize that it doesn't feel good. And that opened up a whole new, if that doesn't feel good, that thing I thought I wanted, I'm going to have to explore everything else. Yeah. I feel a lot hearing that. How often have we thought we wanted something and then felt horrible because we don't have it and that we stop there Yeah. and we just sit in this really yucky feeling thinking I'm not good enough to have it. I'm never going to have it. All those thoughts. And for you to Just imagine having it and go to that place and then check in and realize, actually, this wasn't it. And then also you didn't stop there and feel sorry for yourself. That means it's time to open up and explore what's closer to what I want. To expand. Yeah. If something doesn't feel good, 
move around you discover something yeah this i want to say some things about this because this is so powerful i'm just trying to gather my thoughts this reminds me of the power of allowing ourselves to try something check in and either stay on the same path or change our mind for the longest time, I didn't know I could change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so that also made decision-making so hard because I thought there was only one right answer. And then once I said I would do something, I can never change my mind because how shameful and embarrassing would it be to change my mind? And so in the last couple of years, I really love adopting this phrase of trial and data. Give something a try. And it's going to give me some data. It's going to give me some information. And then I get to use that information for the next intentional choice. And that's what I see happening in that visualization for you. Yeah. And instead of leaving you feeling stuck and sorry for yourself, or now part of this group that you realize you don't even want to be with, but now you are with and better stick with, you said, what other possibility could there be for me? Yeah. Let me go explore and discover. Hallelujah. Yeah. Options. Yeah. I want people to know that they have pretty much every single option and we're just pigeonholing ourselves in these ways we've learned or ways that feel comfortable. It might even be uncomfortable, but we've become comfortable with that. There's so much, there's so much we can do and experience. I'm excited. Yeah. We're just over an hour. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Good is one of those fake words that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I know. I just needed a moment. That's what it was. <laughs> I'm feeling good as in I'm not feeling terrible and I'm feeling better than decent. And I also need a moment to check in. Yeah, let's check in. Everybody <laughs> check in. Feel your bum on the chair. Feel your feet on the ground. Notice how you're feeling. I'm feeling a peacefulness in my belly. And just a softness towards everyone who's listening. Because I want you to feel that freedom to come out of hiding one baby toe at a time or like just hop out. Like when I think about, I don't know, those old shows of makeovers and transformations and people just ripping through that paper wall and come out, come out of hiding. We're waiting for you. We want to see you. I want us all to feel that permission to, at whatever pace you want, to explore coming out of hiding and to see yourself more clearly and to allow other people to see yourself more clearly and to give yourself permission to try on different things and see how that feels. Yeah. Yeah, I want everyone to know that love is available. Love is all around you. I remember being so irritated hearing that sentence. I, I was actually a little bit surprised to hear you say it right now. <laughs> like that's such a non-step thing to say. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We're full of love right now. I feel very lovey-dovey right now. Full of lovey beans. Yeah. Yeah. I feel light <laughs> and spacious and a little bit shaky. My nose is a bit drippy from the crying. And I feel hungry. Okay. We want to take care of that hunger. <laughs> I would love to walk us through a little body practice 
here before we wrap things up. And it has a little do, it's a little bit to do with hiding and coming out of hiding. I really like to pair body movements with concepts and especially when they're new concepts that we're like living into and shifting into. And I also like to remind us there's nothing wrong with hiding. It's not a bad thing to do, right? A lot of us hid for protection. It also gave us something. So it's not wrong or bad. And also if that's the only thing we do, it's going to impact our life a certain way, most likely in a way that doesn't feel fulfilling, right? So we want to make space for hiding when it's necessary. And we want to make space for coming out of hiding and being seen, seeing ourselves and letting ourselves be seen as well. Mm-hmm. So life is a dance between those two places. So let's begin with feeling your butt on the seat or your feet on the ground and just bring a gentle holding to yourself, whatever that means to you and let your neck and head drop down and hang in a way that feels relaxing. If it feels good to close your eyes, do that. And then we're going to open up your arms wide, lifting the chin, opening eyes. Notice your breath and then just come back to turning inward. And this turning inward of holding yourself and dropping your gaze, dropping your chin could represent hiding, right? Where we might need to just be in the background for a while or not let a certain part of us be seen. And then there's also going to come a time to open up again. Lift your chin, open your eyes, see the world, let the world see you. And then we'll come back. And you can also notice which parts feel most comforting, which parts might feel uncomfortable. Is it the closing in, the hiding posture? Is it the exposing yourself and showing yourself posture? Right, opening things back up. And then just finding that sweet spot that feels good for now. And I always love those movements because they remind me that life is a dance. It's a flow between those two places and neither one is right or wrong or good or bad, just different. Yeah. Thank you for that. I got some wild hair going on from that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so comforting. Yeah. So many different energies we can occupy. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. It was fun. Anything else you want to say today? No, I don't think so. Good. Okay. That's it for today then. Like, follow, and subscribe. And if anything we said here today was helpful for you, please share it with somebody you love. And we'll see Mm -hmm. you next week. See you next time. Bye. Bye.